yeah, I think I think I've kind of I feel like I've kind of given my uh, given my all to this sport and um, you know done everything I can to uh, to be as good an athlete as I can. I'm pretty I am pretty proud with what I managed to accomplish in that time. Um, but yeah, you have to uh, at some point at some point it comes to an end and you have to kind of realise that you haven't that you haven't got that fight in you that you used to. That's Will Clark, and this is the Oxygenetic Triathlon Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Oxygenatic Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. You can personalize your hydration strategy today with electrolytes in different strengths that match how you sweat. You can get 15% off with your first order with the code OXYGENADICT15. And we're also brought to you by WeAreTribe.co, natural sports nutrition. You can try a pack of six delicious, 100% natural, vegan energy and recovery products from Tribe for only £2, including free delivery with the code OxygenAddict20. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I hope you are all well today and enjoying this beautiful weather that we have in January. I've got a cracking interview of the week lined up for you today. I've got an interview with Will Clark, one of Great Britain's most successful athletes of all time, from world junior duathlon champion all the way through to going to the Olympics, through to going 745 at Ironman distance. Will has been just one of the main characters in British triathlon for about 16 or 17 years now. Um, and Will has decided that he's no longer going to race as a professional. So the, uh, the theme of today's interview is very much sort of life after professional triathlon for Will. So we get a nice look back over his career, talk about last year, about how it all panned out after, um, you'll remember the last time we had him on the show, he had some really successful races, broke the course record at Outlaw Half Nottingham, great racer, half Staffordshire. He won um, Outlaw Half Holcomb, and then he went out, finished second at Ironman Brazil. So he had a cracking build up to the year. However, Hawaii didn't go the way that he wanted it to. And at the end of the season, his contract with his sponsors wasn't renewed. So, uh, so I thought it'd be an interesting, an interesting show to interview someone who's been there, seen it, done everything, and listen to his plans for the future. So you can stay tuned in for that later on today. Other than that, we've got some great news coming up, some interesting announcements happening today. Um, before we get into that, I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsors, Tribe. If you guys are trying Veganuary, then I think Tribe's range of Infinity Energy Bars, Protein Bars, and Protein Shakes, they're all 100% natural vegan energy and recovery products. So if you're giving that a go, they'll really help you keep your protein levels up. And it's also good for you to have some vegan friendly snacks on hand as well. You can choose what you want in your six pack. It's delivered through your door and it gets posted through in a very cool little cardboard container as well. So it fits really nicely through the door and you don't have to go and chase the postman down and spend two days waiting for it to get re-delivered if your postman is anything like the one round our way <laughs> a tribe have just launched three brand new protein bar flavors they've got cherry bakewell double chocolate and white chocolate and raspberry now i put myself a little order in a week ago and i've got to say hats off the double choc protein bar is an absolute smasher really impressed with it dead tasty packed with protein as well so you can get that a go if you've not tried try if you've not tried tribe before get over to wearetribe.co forward slash oxygen addict and you can enter the code oxygen addict 20 at checkout that'll get you a six pack for just two pounds and it's actually really cool you can choose whatever you want you don't just get sent products you can choose any of the combination of energy bars, protein bars, protein shakes, whatever it is you want from their range, you can sort of personalize the whole packet. Um, yeah, so get over and check it out with the code OxygenAddict20. Right, first up today, big news is, well, we've reported this big news a few times over the years. It's actually really happening. The Collins Cup is actually really going to happen this year. It is going to be out at Samarin where Challenge hold their the championship half-distance race. And the Collins Cup is going to be, first up, it's a big move that the PTO, the Professional Triathletes Organization, that's been going for sort of four or five years now in various guises, they have finally got a big money backer signed up to, to sort of fund the Pro Triathlete Union and also to fund prize money for this uh, Collins Cup. There's going to be $2 million worth of prize money in that one half-distance event that's going to be taking place at the end of May out in Samarin. 
And there's various guises have happened of this over the years, but they've scrapped a lot of the previous ideas. So the way this is going, they've announced a partnership with a company called Crankstart Investments. The chap behind this from my, uh, my little bit of research here is a gentleman called Michael Moritz. He's a Welshman by birth and moved out to America, and he's a billionaire tech investor and philanthropist. It looks like he started out as a journalist writing for Time magazine, and then he wrote a book about Apple and then moved into tech investing, made his fortune in that, and is now basically using his fortune to give it away to people in philanthropy. So one of the things he's doing is he's trying to fund triathlon to go to the next level in the same way the world tour of tennis has happened the same way that golf has happened they're trying to do a very similar thing here with triathlon and i think it's an absolutely fantastic idea so if you want to learn more for yourself you can check it out over at the collinscup.com but i'll give you an overview of what's going to happen first up uh, the pto are going to rank triathletes they're going to be ranked across lots and lots of different distances. And the way they're doing it is they're basically using the model that tryrating.com have used for years. They're going to rate a course according to um, like a weighted average time. And they're going to decide, right, so like the par for this course is a certain time. And athletes who go faster than par for the course get more points. Athletes who equal par for the course get 100 points. And if you go slower than their uh, estimated time, you're going to get a few points less. Athletes races, the best four races over the last two years count, and there's some waiting goes on according to more recent races count a little bit more. But effectively, across Olympic distance, half iron and full iron distance racing, they're going to rank all the athletes in the sport and come up with like a rolling updated every two weeks a rolling category of ranking of those athletes, just like you might see in golf. And the Collins Cup is very much being picked as the Ryder Cup of golf. So when they actually go to have the Collins Cup race in Samarin, Slovakia on May the 29th and 30th of this year, what they're going to do is they're going to have head-to-head matches racing over the half-distance um, format so 1.9k swim 90k bike ride 21.1k run and there's going to be one athlete from usa one athlete from europe and one athlete from the rest of the world there's going to be those three teams and they're going to race each other in three person matches there's going to be six male matches and six female matches and points are going to be then awarded according to who wins so three points for first two points for second one point for third and there's also going to be extra points awarded as well, depending on how much time somebody beats somebody else by. So again, very similar to the Ryder Cup, but they're going to set these races off every 10 minutes. So first race off, say, is going to be, I think they're going to do the men's races first and then the women's races. So six men's races start in every 10 minutes. Um, when that's done, they're going to do the six ladies races starting every 10 minutes. And interestingly the thing that i've read here is that all of the athletes are going to have mics on as they're doing this and their team captains are going to be able to give them instructions about who's behind them what they're doing all of it's supposed to be being tracked in real time in terms of power data heart rate data pace data so athletes are going to be getting updates from their team captains as they're going along and this is the other cool thing that they're doing as well the team captains the team usa captains are going to be karen smyers and mark allen the Team Europe captains are going to be Chrissy Wellington and Norman Stadler. And the Team International captains are going to be Erin Baker and Craig Alexander. And also, oh, I read somewhere else, yeah, Simon Whitfield and Lisa Bentley are going to be involved in it as well. So the captains are going to be then involved in deciding which of their athletes race against which of the other athletes. Um, so it's going to be a super exciting format. The way they're going to pick the athletes is the top four male and females from America, from Europe, and from the rest of the world are automatically going to be invited. And then the team captains are going to get two other wildcard picks as well. So we are, for example, going to get the very best athletes racing in the world. And invitation and selection is where the prize money is. So at the end of, you know, in the run-up to the Collins Cup, they're going to publish the final PTO World Rankings. And that's how they're going to distribute the prize money. So this $2 million is... Basically, anyone who's invited to race is going to get a minimum of 20 grand all the way through to, I think it's $125,000 for the top-ranked male and the top-ranked female. So any of the top three 
it was over a hundred grand they're going to be given to go and race. So really good money. That's you know on a par with winning Kona. So it's serious, serious prize money. You've got to think that every single athlete is going to go and want to race at this because it's you know it's season changing amounts of money for them, and it's going to be a whole new exciting way of racing. So super excited to see how this plays out. I had a chat with the CEO of uh, the PTO last week, Sam Renouf. He's a lovely chap and he was telling me all about it. So we're going to have more information coming up about this on future shows. And we've had a couple of little teasers of this, haven't we, from Tim O'Donnell and from Lucy Charles Barkley. They've all kind of known this is going on in the background, but they didn't want to announce it until today. So today, as I'm publishing the show, this is going to be the very first day that the news is out there. I'm sure you'll have seen it by the time you've heard me talking about it because it's all over social media. They've got a very cleverly uh, coordinated campaign with all the athletes posting about it. So massive news. It's going to be great racing. It's all going to be televised. You're going to be able to watch it live. It's going to move backwards and forwards between each of the individual events as they're going on. So we're going to get updated leaderboards, again, very similar to golf. And they're going to see if they can crack the world market and make triathlon, you know, as interesting and as watched as golf is or tennis is across the world. So super excited to see how they get on with that. Great news there. All right, next bit of news for you. Hats off here. Melinda Elmore. Now, you might remember her. We had her on the show back on episode 102 back in 2017 or late 2016 even. Um, She was originally a 1,500-meter runner from Canada. She moved to Ironman and immediately on debut, she finished third Arizona in 2016 and went sub-9. She's moved over to um, to straight marathon racing. She's just broken the Canadian marathon record. She's 38 or 39 years old. She's run 2.24.50 at the Houston Marathon. And along the way, she set Canadian records for 25K, 30K, 35K and 40K en route as well. So amazing background for her and amazing running. So just brilliant performance well done wonder whether she'll actually get to go out to the olympics next year and race there so fingers crossed she's got to be a nailed on pick for the canada olympic team with that performance hasn't she fingers crossed for you well done melindy all right so without further ado let's go forwards over to this week's interview of the week with will clark will clark welcome back onto the option addict triathlon podcast how are you doing today sir Thanks for having me, Rob. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, everything's good. Beautiful, uh, beautiful nearly spring day here in the UK. And uh, yeah, I thought it'd be really interesting to get you back on, Will, and, and have a chat about the end of your end of your last season and find out what's going on with you and, and your thoughts going forwards. Because I was having a look back in the archives. The last time we had you on was, I think it was back in June of last year. You just won um, Outlaw Half Nottingham. And then you zoomed straight out on the plane, pretty much from the finish line of that, and got second at Brazil and punched your ticket for Hawaii there. So, um, so I thought it'd be interesting to get you on and have a catch up and see how the rest of your year went after that. Yeah, that was um, that was kind of that was a highlight of my year. Really, that was a fun trip. Um, you have you have these points in the season where you're fresh and um, fresh, you know, in the head, fresh in the body. Typically, kind of early early stretch mid season for me. Yeah, and um, that's when I kind of, I guess, at my best, really. Um, but but yeah, that was a period where I couldn't really really put a foot wrong, really. I, um, you know, went to did a good job at Outlaw, and then six days later did it all right at Ironman Brazil, and then came back and did it right again in um, in um, yeah in Staffordshire Seven Point Three. So it, that was uh, that was kind of that was a highlight of my season in the end. Um, I think from there, from there, it was. Yeah, once I qualified for Hawaii, it was all um, it was head down for head down for Hawaii as the priority. I did um, Ironman Hamburg, which uh, for for some reason haven't quite figured that out yet. Didn't go didn't go very well. Um, but yeah, it was um, yeah. I was kind of I was quite happy to be finished um, had finished qualifying early and um, have a have a nice clean build up to um, to Hawaii. And uh, yeah, the prep the prep went really well for Hawaii. I went to I kind of figured out what would be my best possible plan for for getting to Hawaii in good shape. And to me, that looked like um, a two-and-a-half-week block at altitude in Livigno, where I went with my family and uh, took Dave Bishop along with me as well. Okay. Um, we did a race We did a race on the way home, which is a really awesome, really awesome race in the mountains. It's a bit of a classic. 
It's called uh, Gerard Mare XML. Gerard Mare XL. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I really, yeah. I mean, it's um, yeah. You know, everyone likes the uh, challenge races and the Ironman races, but there's all sorts of little races out there that are absolutely fantastic. And that's like that have that I have to say was one of my highlights of the year. It was, you know, it was fantastically organised. It was different. It was it was challenge. It was super challenging course with um with great you know great with a lot of spectators on course as well um kind of you know tour de france line tunnels on on some of the hills and just like yeah just a you know if, if you're if you're paying for your entry then it's a lot cheaper to get into they gave you a puffer jacket and a hat um which is which is pretty cool so everyone's is it a, walking around is in it the a same full jacket. distance race or is it a half distance race no, or is it a whole a, festival type thing going on because I've, I've heard of it but never been out there for it yeah, it's a festival type race. So they have um, they have the the main one is Girard XR, which is a middle distance race. It's a half, and um, that, but they have an Olympic distance the following the following day as well. Ah, right, think, okay. And I think they have some kids race some kids races in the morning as well. But that's an absolute absolutely fantastic race. It's that's one. It's one I wish I'd done earlier, actually. Okay, and it's bonkers, kind of three mountain passes in France, isn't it? Kind of thing. It really is like the Tour de France. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a free lap course. So you take in, um, I think it's two thousand two hundred meters of climbing in ninety k, which is um, which is pretty solid, and um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, fast run. So I anyway, I had a pretty good race there on the way home, um, and then yeah, I went to I went to the woodlands uh, to train in um, train with uh, with my mate Mark Matthews, um, who's a very good age cooper who was racing for team free speed and um he came he came he came with me to fill the whole trip and then we we did a lot of training with patrick lang and um actually yeah me patrick and mark matthews did the most together um so yeah really good trip um it all went really really well and uh yeah went to hawaii and um you know pretty yeah couldn't really have done much uh done much done much uh, better really uh so i was pretty i was pretty yeah, confident in my shape for the race, but if, unfortunately in that race you just you, you just never know if you can get it right or not or what's going to happen. It's it's a, just a yeah different beast to any other any other um, Ironman really. It, it really does seem like you, it's a real lottery, isn't it? That you can turn up to Ironman Hawaii, almost everyone on the start line is in the most amazing shape, and there's a lot of luck comes down to how your race goes down on the day. And there's a lot of just unknowns as to, to how things go down. How was your confidence going into that race? Having spent so much time training with Patrick Langer, because obviously he was, it was, was he still defending champion at this point? He would have been right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So he won, I think he won the past, past two uh, he years. Won, wasn't he won it? the yeah. past two years, didn't he? So that's he was right. His third year. That's um, right. Yeah. And I saw I some photos did. of you guys on, I don't know, Instagram or whatever, both yeah. running in woodlands looking absolutely ripped and in such amazing shape. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was, I was, I was really confident because I had, um, I had the altitude in the body, um, from Lavinia and then I had, you know, I was, I pretty much dropped my running program and just, just went, you know, like pa- Patrick Lang's here. He's one, he's one of the best, he's one of the best in the sport. I'm a guy who likes company on my training anyway. So I just, I just jumped in with Patrick the whole time actually. Okay. And, um, we just, uh, we ended up doing, you know, I don't know, we run about 70 or 80 K a week, but the main difference was he runs fast, like, or pretty fast, like all the time. So your endurance runs, um, pretty much, um, pretty much every single run was, um, was well sub, well sub four minute K pace in the heat. Um, with obviously fatigue bodies from, um, from, 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 from a lot of something cycling as well. So it's, um, yeah, so I just kind of, I just, kind of, I just, just kind of rolled with it. Really, we did, um, we did a lot of long runs, at, um, you know, at kind of, kind of Ironman pace, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of runs off the bike at Ironman pace. So we got some really good stuff done. And it, you know, when, when you, when you're training in that sort of heat and that sort of humidity, it's, 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 it's that much harder as well. So, yeah, so we got nice and shredded for the Instagram photos, which is always, a, <laughs> which is always a bonus. Lots of likes coming in. And so you were doing a lot of sort of a lot of runs off the bike at four minute K pace, were you? Which is let's get the maths right. Is that about uh, must be sort of um, low low two forties marathon pace, wouldn't it? Something like that. You're doing yeah, the maths in my head really quickly. Yeah, three fifty pace is two forty. Three fifty pace is two forty. Um, is a two forty marathon, which is kind of my that, that's my goal number really. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we did a lot of a lot of a lot of running at that sort of pace, and it was um, 
yeah, he's a he's a good he's a he's a he's a, he's a good friend, but he's a good guy to train with as well. So we had a really good block out there. We um, yeah had a lot of spent a lot of time in Whole Foods drinking coffee, um, kind of de- delaying the start all the time, which is my sort of uh, my sort of training partner really. <laughs> Have you known him for a while? Yeah, I've known him for um, I've actually known Patrick for about ten years now. Okay, um, I think I knew I think I knew his talent before anyone else did actually because his breakthrough race, his race where he ever his race where he first showed potential was a race in Germany called Schlesi Alpen Triathlon. Okay, and he, it's a uh, it's just a classic again a classic Olympic German race and we we were racing for the same Bundesliga team. And uh, the, it, the bike finishes off with a 7K climb at about 5 or 6%. And uh, I think back in my day, I was, quite, I was quite a good climber. That was kind of my strength. So I would never expect to get dropped on, on, on a climb. But this unknown guy just, um, yeah, just attacked us on the final climb. And I think he got about 50-second gap on us. Um, that's when I kind of thought, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah this guy's got gears. Um, <laughs> Funny enough, we caught him on the run and um, ended up being him. But yeah, that was the first time that I that I that I, that I knew that I, I knew of Patrick Lang, and obviously he's got a you know he proved that day that, he, that he's got a, uh, he's got a very good engine. Um, so it wasn't a massive surprise to see him um, progress in the in his in his Ironman career. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I spent spent a fair bit of time with him since on training camps, racing. Uh, so yeah, he's a good good buddy of mine. Did you guys uh, do all your training together? Did you swim and bike together as well? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I kind of. Yeah, we did. I, I don't really like it when when kind of pros go always 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 insist on going in their separate direction and doing um doing different stuff because at the end of the day, uh, you know, six times ten minutes uh, at sweet spot is the same as you know three times three times twenty minutes sweet spot in in my head. And you'd rather do it with someone else who's going to push you than um, then stick to your own plan and you know have to go through all this on your own. So I kind of I'm pretty good at chopping and changing and um, and kind of trying to fit in with others as 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 long as they also show a bit of compromise as well. Um, so yeah, I normally so yeah we 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 managed to come to an agreement where we where we where we where we pretty much train 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 together the whole time. Um, so we both got pretty fit and helped each other out, uh, helped each other get in shape for. Uh, Kona. and so how did you guys go about working out your training plans then were you were you following a plan that you'd both kind of come up with together i know i know patrick's coached by um oh my mind's gone blank now Farrah. he was coached by Ferris. that's right yeah he was coached by Ferris at the time yeah yeah so did you guys sort of sit down and look at your plan for the weekend and come to a decision what you were going to do on a day by day or week by week basis yeah, pretty much. I think we did about eighty percent of our training together. But um, but yeah, he pretty much screenshotted his training peaks account and sent it to me, and then I just uh, I just worked out what what I couldn't and couldn't do. It's probably it's probably not my place to bully Patrick into changing his plan. It was more a uh, more my place to fit in with him because he's uh, yeah he's <laughs> two time away champ. Yeah, I can't really argue with him too much. So it's um I just kind of uh, yeah he just screenshotted and we just we just kind of cracked on together and. Have to have to mention Mark Matthews again because he was a he was an awesome training buddy out there. He's um yeah he was a adds a lot of banter and um he's a, he's a he's a great guy and a good athlete as well. So it was, um he kind of made the trip really if you like. Nice. And how long were you out in Texas for then before Hawaii? That was like two and a half weeks, I think it was. Okay. Yeah, about maybe pushing three weeks. So it was um enough to get a nice nice a, ni- a nice little heat adaption um for hawaii the street funnily enough the street that we're on um it's probably got it's probably the most successful street in um in triathlon we had uh there was one year there was one year where you had four of the top 10 uh, men in hawaii training on that street uh that was two i think that was two years ago because you had um patrick nielsen patrick lang boris stein and um ah uh, and uh, someone else i've forgotten sorry my mind's gone blank <laughs> but yeah it's um it's a very successful street and uh yeah they're, they're super hospitable in the um in the in, in the woodlands so they'll do anything for you and uh open their open the houses for you to stay and uh host you nice that sounds amazing yeah that's no, great <laughs> so you must have been you must have been brimming over with confidence and you had a great series of early season races in the uk with those ones you've mentioned already that you've won you've had a, a great race out in uh, girard mare 
And then you've had a really good block of training with the two-time defending champion. So talk us through where your head was at then as you headed out to Hawaii. Yeah, it was it was okay. Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, as soon as I landed in in Hawaii, it's uh, it kind of it kind of brought back some hard memories from before. You know, driving from the airport, I was thinking, I just it just kind of instantly brought back the uh, the suffering that's that's that's, that's associated with, with this race. So you know, even though even though my training went well, there's, I have to say there's still a, still a certain amount of doubt in my abilities to race there because I've, I've I've just struggled struggled so much there in the past. Um, but yeah, so I had to battle in the first few days to really turn that around and keep keep positive and uh, you know keep everything, yeah, keep keep matching up. But it was, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely, I, 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 I never really land there and feel confident for, for, for that race. Um, yeah, I, I just know you kind of can't really, you can't really ever count on having a really good race there because so much, because so, so much, because so much can happen. The conditions are so hard. And you, you're just never quite sure if you if you got if you got if you got if you got your training right and you're going to uh, to perform there, especially for myself. Um, but yeah, so yeah, but I think I think I think I think by race day I managed to turn myself around and I was um, and, I, and I was on the start line, um, you know, in, in the in the in the good place in the head and and ready to and ready to and ready to do something there. Um, the swim, if we talk about the, the race itself, the swim. Um, the swim went okay. I wasn't swimming particularly well in training, to be honest, but I managed to come out in a place to to still be competitive. Um, so I felt okay in the water and managed I managed to managed to come out and in a, yeah managed to come out with the key players, I guess, or or the or the the guys that that were going to ride up. Um, but yeah, the bike was the bike was super hard. Um, it just it just amazes me these it just amazes me these these days how strong these guys are on the bike. I was just you know riding well looking look, looking at my numbers and i was happy with, with where i was at and the speed i just look up the road and there's there's 30 guys all riding all, all, all riding super strong all big names who have done a lot in the sport and it was um yeah it's and sure, sure enough um coming back from um harvey with the descent and the um and once that once that once the wind started to hit you in all in all different directions it started it started it started, started, started to get really really hard again and i managed to get dispatched um with three other guys and uh yeah then and then we kind of we kind of trundled we kind of trundled in in together really i think at that point at, at that point i was getting really sore um actually in the saddle but also um yeah i think all of my contact points were hurting my elbows were hurting um uh, my butt was hurting um <laughs> my neck was hurting <laughs> so i i i actually the last 40k i probably spent 30k of it out of aero kind of just just kind of grunting out yeah, um, because, I, okay. because I just couldn't, I just couldn't ride, couldn't ride arrow anymore. Um, so, so that was kind of a bad, a bad kind of. That was my bad spell of the race, and I was definitely looking forward to getting on the run and uh, and changing positions for once. What do you, uh, what do you think the cause of so many people's difficulties coming back from Harvey is? You mentioned there the winds whirling from different directions, and I'm thinking back to you know you ride at the Outlaw where you you basically equaled bodies race split there you looked so sleek and powerful and aerodynamic in that position and then is it all down to being able to hold that position on race day or is it about being able to hold the position when you're getting blown all over the road what do you think the difference is in a place like hawaii it's more i think i think the first thing to say is these guys are incredibly strong now Um, yeah like all of the guys on that start list can can now ride a bike really really well i mean i'm um I've been training the body now for a few years and, uh, you know, I can, I can put out some really, really good sessions and some, and some really, really big numbers, but it's just, I get into that race and I'm just kind of average, um, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's, yeah, they just really are incredible. And then it's, um, everyone's riding a fast position these days. So everyone's moving, moving fast, through, moving fast on the road. Um, and I think one of the things I really struggled with kind of my whole time trial career and I never quite figured out was, was just, just being able to ride the time trial bike and feel really, really comfortable and at one and at one with the bike. I just never really got to that point where I could, um, I could sit on that thing and, and just stay in there the whole ride and just, um, just kind of, yeah, just cruise along. Um, so typically in that race after, you know, after 120 K, you, you know, riding in the aero bars and, uh, battling the winds and trying to keep up with the others, you, 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 Typically, you kind of get past Harvey, and you and you start to crack, and you um you know you, you start shifting around in the saddle, and then you start to get sore, and then you're in and out of the saddle as well. 
and that's when that's when you really start to lose time so so key in that race is to be you know is to be able to, to run an error and stay there for a long period of time and and be comfortable and uh just be in the mix with the other guys but, it's, but obviously as soon as you come out of error you start things start to get a lot harder and you start to lose a lot of time so that's always been the biggest struggle with me um is that um part of it i mean it's uh, now i'm not racing for bmc <laughs> bmc bfit part of it is equipment obviously we're, we're we're racing for a team and we have and we and we have fixed sponsors um so you have to be you you, ha- you have to use their equipment and just just sometimes you just can't get along with the uh with the brands that you're using and okay. for me the um for me the saddle was always a massive issue um so yeah and that's kind of that was kind of uh, probably one of the, one of the key things key things to blame in um in hawaii now that's interesting actually so you get to the point where basically you get told exactly what saddle you have to ride and i mean anyone who's listening to this and who's done some triathlons know there's like a rotating cast of saddles passes through everyone's houses isn't there you buy a new saddle that doesn't work here you are you try it i'll have yours and i finally i remember i found a saddle that worked for me and i bought three of them they were already discontinued and i've still got two in the garage and it's like you hang on to that that one comfy thing that you know will last forever my dad's the same he's 75 and he's still got two of those old brooks roll saddles in the garage that he bought back in the 80s it must be super hard to be to be told you know here's one of your key contact points and you can't change it because of sponsors yeah it's really hard and we um yeah, we really, we really, I, I, I kind of really struggled with a few things on that team for a while. One of them was, one of them was the, was the cockpit and one of them was the saddle. And, um, but we're still obliged to use it, to use it, to use it the whole way through. Last year was actually the best year because they kind of relaxed, they relaxed a bit on the cockpit. So I could use Botti's, um, Botti's, uh, arm pads and I could, and I could also, you know, get some, get some, get some angles to actually, which I'll actually bring my hands higher and bring my, bring my arms up into a more aero position. But saddles, yeah, that was another thing that, that we uh, we couldn't budge on. And you know, to put things into perspective, I, I, I was kind of in so much pain. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was kind of in so much pain by the end of the bike that, um, excuse my language, but I was pissing razor blades for the next kind of kind of kind of three days. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, so it's really it, it really it really was a big issue for me. Um, yeah, and that's, that's a race yeah, ender, it, isn't it? it? That's that's the end of your whole season if you're not comfy on the saddle yeah exactly no yeah i mean it, yeah it, it, it gets it gets it gets to the point where you just where you just can't sit on the saddle like my legs were fine but i just couldn't sit on the saddle so it's um so then you're always going to be going to be missing something but i mean in the end like i got on the run and i felt i felt half decent um i ran out in the first 5k at a, at a reasonable pace but it, i just got really hot again and um i actually i walked I actually ran reasonably well, but I walked every every single A station. I, I I didn't walk it for like five seconds. I walked it for maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds. Um, yeah. Sometimes more, sometimes more towards the back end. So I basically did, I basically did, I think, forty two one Ks reps <laughs> with short rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it actually got it actually it actually got me through fine. Like my 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 energy was good. My my my, my hydration was good the whole way through. But I did. Um, I did spend a lot of time in the A stations um, to manage to manage that. Um, I think I ran. I think I ran three hours in the end, um, which, which, which actually, actually looking back, I was quite happy with, considering I spent I spent spent, spent so much time in the, in, the, in the A stations. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just goes to show, doesn't it, that those those little walk breaks that allow you to, to take the aid on. They kind of yes, you lose a little bit of time, but it kind of pays you back in the sense that if you walk for the last eight miles, it adds an hour on your time rather than adding five seconds or 10 seconds a mile onto your time by those little walk breaks. Yeah, Yeah. that's interesting. Um, Were you surprised, firstly, by how well Patrick swam on race day? And then secondly, that he didn't didn't continue on the bike? Uh, Yeah, I was really surprised. Especially with his swim, I thought I thought his, his swim was incredible. He was actually swimming pretty well in um, in Texas, to be honest. But I don't, but, but, but I still don't think he was he was capable of that. He was out in the um, kind of Uber, the, the the Uber swimmers kind of a uh, kind of pack. Um, so yeah, he swam he swam incredibly well, and that that bodes really well for for the following years. Um, but yeah, I think he apparently apparently he was sick. Um, he was sick during the race, like sick yeah. b- sick before the race. 
and we went. I tried to encourage him out. I, I tried to encourage him out. Him out. Him out. Him out for some beers the next day, and he wasn't. He wasn't having any of it. He was. He was mostly, mostly pretty, pretty depressed about the race. But he was also. Um, he was also c- c- coughing up half a lung. So. Um, oh, to be fair, him. he was. To be fair, he was. He was. He was. He was pretty. He was pretty. Pretty man down post race. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that swimming with you in training helped him? Think it gave him some confidence, like running with him gave you confidence. <laughs> um, so swimming yeah. with. It's I, funny, I you always laugh, right? You always laugh when I say that you're a good swimmer and you go, I'm a rubbish swimmer, Rob. And I go, you've been to the Olympics, well. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it again, Rob. I contributed absolutely nothing to him in, in, in the pool. You're so modest. I was in the pool at the same time with him, but Mark Mackey's contributed more than, uh, more than I did to, uh, to his swimming. I think the only thing I contributed was a bit of banter and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, no, um, I, I, yeah, I, I contributed nothing. Um, he was, yeah. So, I, I, I think you might find that uh, that his confidence was raised a little bit by swimming by you, even if you might not believe it. Well, confidence, <laughs> well, yeah, confidence maybe, but yeah, for sure. He actually told me off. He actually, he actually, he actually told me off in a, in a few sessions. Um, <laughs> we kind of met met with an awkward silence afterwards. <laughs> like in that kind of heated uh, heated moment during a main set, and I think I skipped out on on hundred to uh, catch my breath, <laughs> and, and he told me off. He gave you gave you both barrels did he that's good yeah. man you need a training so partner yeah, to keep you good. honest don't you yeah yeah definitely yeah and if if there's anyone who's going to give it to you it's it's the two-time defending champion that's fantastic yeah. man for sure yeah so i mean hawaii is always special you got yourself to the finish line 25th place which i mean we were saying before we recorded on air it's not long ago that that would have been you know that would have been the best performance by a British athlete at Hawaii that year and you know although it's not what you hope for let's keep things in perspective you've still gone 829 overall that's a time that would have won the race in many years if we only go back a decade and the standard seems to have jumped so high that all of a sudden you know you've ridden 430 which is 40 k's an hour you've ridden you've run three hours flat on a day when you didn't feel great and you've still gone 829 in Hawaii and you end up in 25th place and it's do you feel as though it's like that the race has moved on massively in the past couple of years? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Finishing 25th and, you know, it's far from, it's far from where, where it's far from where I wanted to be actually. Like it's completely, yeah. I was, I was, I was not, I was not happy oh, with sure. it at all. It's like, yeah, nothing, yeah. it was nothing for me to celebrate personally, but I think one thing that struck me about this race is, you know, it, I did race all right, you know. I got on the run and, and, and around three hours. And in past years, I would have caught a lot of people. Um, whereas honestly, this this year, the only people that I caught were, were people that were completely, completely, completely down and out, like people that were some, you know, uh, struggling with stomach problems who were kind of walking home, and uh, people who had completely exploded and, and were kind of just about managing to to trot it in. Um, I think another few UK I would have caught maybe um, Alistair and Lionel, <laughs> which, which is quite funny because they were just they were that they were um, just that bit far ahead that they that they managed to hold me off. Um, but yeah, there was there was people on the horizon who were struggling, but people people are really holding it together a lot better these days. And um, yeah, the levels yeah the yeah, the levels are really really high. I mean, it's I couldn't believe how far Frodo was ahead. I think he was I think he finished about thirty five minutes ahead of me. Which is just um, you know just phenomenal, really. Considering I didn't, I, considering I wasn't particularly bad myself, is um, kind of kind of made me think that like that level of performance is uh, you know it takes a special type of talent to um, yeah no, yeah you can work as hard as you want, but if you but you'll never get to that level if you if you haven't got the if you, if you, if you haven't got the natural ability. So when you sit down and you and you look at the raw numbers and you went. Let me get this right. You went seven forty-five somewhere, didn't you? Remind me where that was. Was that Denmark? It was Texas. Um, Texas. Sorry, Texas two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Now that's five minutes, six minutes faster than Frodo went in Hawaii. Now, all right, we're not comparing apples with apples there, and and Frodo's been sort of what's been like low, low seven thirties out in Roth. Yeah, it's not a massive jump. And my yeah. brain looks at that and goes, right, 7.45 on that course, 7.35 on that course. If they're there side by side on the right day and both of them are on fire, does it just come down to a bit of good luck and a bit of mental confidence? Yeah, I mean... Where does that stack yeah, up in your head? I mean, 
firstly, I'll be honest with myself and I'll say that um, Texas was three k three k short on the bike. I think it was. Okay. Um, so, so, it's rough. So, so that brings us to uh, to I guess the same time. If um, like my, my my Texas time would have been the same as um, Frodo's Frodo's Hawaii time, pretty much. Um, but I think. Hawaii is just a completely different beast. It's it's a lot, much, much, much harder on the run, uh, much more challenging conditions, even though Texas can be quite hot as well. Um, the bike's a lot, a lot easier in um, Texas as well. So the, um, you know, when we raced it, it was, it was a pan flat fast course. It was perfect conditions. Um, you know, we're in a, we're in a big pace line of, um, of 10, 12 guys. Um, even, even if you are riding fair, it's still, it's still super, super fast on that course um so yeah you just can't really compare the two and he's um yeah he's definitely like 752 in um in hawaii is absolutely phenomenal um racing um yeah i think it's yeah you have to you have to be an, an extremely special talent to to uh race that fast do you think do you think he's the greatest of all time over the iron distance uh yeah definitely 100 percent. yeah definitely um the best triathlete of the time. I've I've always kind of maintained that Alistair's my uh, my my um, guy for that. I think he's the most talented athlete. That's uh, I think he's the most talented triathlete that's um, that there's ever been. But I think he's yeah, Alistair for his ego will want to go to Hawaii and and, ra- and race there and race there and race well well there as well to kind of cement that. Yeah. Um, but I think his um, Alistair's Olympic distance racing is um, phenomenal. Um, I think he ran, he ran 29.05 in the Olympics and celebrated and, and you know, spent 10, 15 seconds celebrating down the finish line with a flag. So I think for me, he's still the most um, talented triathlete and probably the most, uh, probably the most successful triathlete that, 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 that there's ever been. It'd be great to see him have his perfect race at Hawaii and for Gino to do the same again next year. Like there's question marks as to whether Ian Fadino is going to come back and race next year, but I'd, I'd love to see him do that just so that, Ali Brownlee can go back and race him and have figured out Hawaii a little bit more and, and see those two go head to head. Cause it could be an iron, another iron war for the ages, couldn't it? Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It would. I, yeah. I'm not sure. What, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what Frodo's thinking this year, but I think, yeah, I'm not sure if he's going to um, carry on or not. I think he's got, there's not much left for him, for, for him to prove now, really. Um, yeah, and he's, you know, he's got, he's, he's got a young family and he's, uh, yeah, he's got a lot going on. So I kind of think, it wouldn't be a surprise if he retired this year, but who knows? Yeah, I think actually he's 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 already racing. Um, I think he's down to race St George um, Ironman, which is the North American Champs this year. Um, so yeah, that's I think that's what I think that's what someone told me. So I think that's what someone told me the other day. So wait and see, huh? Yeah, wait and see where the man's up to. Well, listen, talking about talking about retirement, then this isn't retirement for you as such, but your reflections on on your race post Hawaii. Obviously, there was an announcement that you're not with BMC anymore and that your contract had been ended there. What are your thoughts for yourself going forwards and into 2020? Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's a it's a funny one. I mean, I haven't I haven't picked up my bike for um, for uh, I haven't picked up my bike since Hawaii. Actually, I actually started building it the other day, and I. Uh, I leant down on my aerobine and it snapped <laughs> because, <laughs> because all the, uh, because the salt corrosion from Hawaii had got, had got, had got, had got in there somehow. Um, but yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't really summoned, I haven't really biked since, um, since Hawaii, but I've been picking up, um, quite a lot of running. I ran 130 K last week, for example, and I'm, you know, I may mean to do a few things differently this year, but yeah, with the, I was kind of waiting after Hawaii with the, with the announcement. Um, I was waiting to hear from my team what, what they wanted to do. Um, but you know, I kind of I kind of took a step back and thought, you know, if the team don't resign you, you know, did you want to did you want to continue or did you want to uh, do something different? And um, in the end, I kind of I kind of figured that I'd given my all my all to my season, and uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd given everything everything to, everything to Hawaii, and I, I'm I'm kind of not, as I said earlier, I'm not really backing myself in in, in that race. I don't think I've got much of a future there. Um, so yeah, I just. I kind of thought, I felt like I, um, I think the best way to describe it is I felt like I'm not a killer anymore. I'm, um, yeah, I was a killer in my, uh, in my twenties and I can kind of, as soon as I hit my thirties, I'm just, I'm just not really that guy anymore. Um, and I think, I think that guy's needed now to be successful in Hawaii. He's needed to, to push, pushing, pushing and training all the time and, uh, making all the sacrifices. And that's just not, it's not really me anymore. And, um, you know, I, 
I raced Hawaii this year and I was disappointed at the end, but I got a massive, you know, my, my buzz of the week came from when Roof, um, when Roof won, um, won the age overall. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my buzz. That was kind of the buzz that I wanted from the race. I got that from, from my coaching instead. And yeah, I wanted, you know, with all these things happening with the, with the team not resigning me and it's, I, I, I always knew it'd be really, really hard to get to, to build up, to build back up the sponsor, the, to build back up the sponsor, sponsor portfolio. So I wanted to, um, I just thought, I thought I'm not going to officially retire, but I'm, and I still love the sport and I still, I still want to race a little bit, but I'm, I'm definitely going to take a step back from, um, from gallivanting around, around the world, racing, racing races like Hawaii and, uh, in, and in America. And I'm just going to focus on, um, focus on my coaching and I'm starting a team, which, which I can talk about later and, uh, yeah, coaching and, um, yeah, I would, I would like to do some keep fit and do some do some marathon running. So I've entered London Marathon this year, and I've also got I've got a good relationship with the Outlaw guys. So I, I want to keep doing these fun races that give me my uh, my kind of appetite for racing and and that competitiveness, but um, but don't you know don't cost me an absolute fortune and don't don't put too much stress on me. So that's uh, that's pretty much where I'm at, and so far I'm really happy and I'm really confident that it's the right decision. But it's uh, I, I have been racing for. Um, most of my life um so it's quite it's been quite a uh, quite a quite a strange thing strange thing and a strange strange idea to get used to really yeah i was wondering how much of your how much of your identity as a person is wrapped up in in being a pro athlete because essentially that's well, i don't want to say it's all you've ever done but as a professional identity that's been you since sort of the age of 17 18 hasn't it yeah exactly um i actually before um yesterday when i sit on my sofa i kind of never you know, I, I knew I knew I had the Skype call to uh, to take with with you and, and this podcast. So I kind of I kind of looked back and I, and I thought I've actually done I, I've done you know a, a major championships or a world championships every year of my career from 2002. Um, I think 2002 started with uh, world world junior duathlon champs and 2003 was my first world junior champs where um, where I finished uh, third. And ever since then, it's been, you know, it's been, you know, every, every single year I've had a big race to focus on and a big goal. And, um, yeah, what that kind of says to, shows to me is obviously when you're, obviously when you're racing world champs, you train super hard and you try and get in, in peak physical condition. And I've done that every year for the past, um, you know, since 2002. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of given my, uh, given my all to this sport and, um, you know, done everything I can to, uh, to be as good an athlete as I can. I'm pretty I am pretty proud with what I managed to accomplish in that time. Um, but yeah, you have to, uh, at some point, at some point it comes to an end and you have to kind of realize that you haven't, that you haven't got that fight in you that you used to. Looking back, what's been, what's been the highlight, your favorite race you think that you've had? Cause obviously you've been racing, what that's, that's like 18 years of racing at the very highest level of world championships or Olympics or something similar every single year for 18 years. What's been your, what's been your favorite racing experience during that time? Uh, I think I had, I had three peaks in my career. I think I had a peak when I was, when I was pretty young where I was, um, I, I was, I won world on 23s and European on 23s. And I think in that same year, I podiumed in, um, in the world cup. And then the following year, I got fifth in the senior world champs, um, and qualified for Olympics off, off, off the back of that. So that kind of period, 2006, 2007 was, was really, really good for me. And yeah. it just shows as well. That kind of shows to me that you actually, you actually can reach your peak like quite young, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I think that was, um, that was, you know, three or four years into training, training, you know, training professionally. And I was already at my, and I was already pretty much, pretty much at my peak. Um, I guess then I had a bit of a lull, maybe a little bit, but then I trained with, uh, trained with Michelle Dillon and Stu Hayes and got very, very, very fit, um, again for aiming for 2012 Olympics. And I got a, um, I got a second in a world series there, which is my best ever, probably best ever triathlon performance. It was a sprint finish in, um, in Hamburg in an ITU world series. Um, and then, yeah, um, and then I started my long course career, and I think my best my best performance in that was um, was when I went seven hours forty five in Texas um, around around that time. Um, but yeah, kind of every year every year um, in my long course career, I had a half decent half decent half decent Ironman race or a seventy point three race. So it's um, yeah, this kind of, you know it's been 
it's been pretty steady away to be fair but um those are my those are my key um key highlights i guess well, you mentioned a minute ago that actually one of your highlights have been in Hawaii. And, and I really love to hear this because I love, you know, hearing people, young coaches taking pleasure in the performance of others rather than, you know, it, it just being about themselves. You mentioned the performance there of Ruth Purbrook, who obviously won the, the overall age group title, who you've been coaching for a while. What were your feelings looking at her performance and her potential going forwards? Yeah, it's... It's just been an amazing journey with Ruth. She's she's such a good, uh, such a great athlete to coach. Um, I, I picked her up, uh, I think five or I think it's five years ago, and she was aiming for um, aiming for uh, ITU World Age Group Champs, and it was a bit of a flop that year. Like um, she was kind of training seriously, but but not that seriously, um, not hundred percent all in with it. And I think from then we kind of said we kind of you know, try to make some changes and say, look, if you want to, um, if you want to be successful in the sport, then you've got to make a lot of sacrifices and, um, to, to reach your goals. And kind of, kind of, kind of from them, really, she really, she really stepped it up and, you know, she was, she was always super committed and super, you know, made, made, made all the sacrifices, trained really hard. She was up, uh, you know, up early in the morning and, um, you know, before work, putting in some big sessions. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, obviously she went to Hawaii, um, a couple of years ago and got, I think the first year she went, she got 10th age group overall. Then she got third age group overall last year. And then this year she wanted to, um, she wanted to, uh, you know, to fight for the overall win. And obviously, um, if you can do that, then you can, um, then you're pretty solid locked into the pro ranks after that. That's the only place for you to go. Um, but I think, yeah, she's now she's, uh, taken a sabbatical from work and she's training, um, she's training full time. She's in Spain at the moment as we speak. Um, probably having done a morning session with her feet up. And I think she's got a, you know, it'll be it'll be really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how far we can get her in the pro ranks. Um, but yeah, in terms, you know, she's um, she's she's come a long way since those since those uh, since five years ago. And as a coach, what do you think her ultimate potential is from what you you've seen and you know of her? I think yeah, I think you know she's she's an incredibly talented cyclist. You know, like like the things that all the things that I struggle 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 with in Hawaii that I mentioned, she doesn't really have. She's just she's one of those people that jumps on the time trial bike and she, she just gets it. She gets the position. She gets, um, you know, she's powerful. And, um, yeah, that's, that's her biggest talent. And she's already, if you look at her split in Kona, she's already able to, um, able, able to compete with, uh, with a with a lot of the pro women. Um, but yeah, I think she's never, the thing is she's never really had an opportunity to, um, to really, you know, to really, to really show her full potential because she, she's, she's never trained full time and she's always been so busy with work. So, I think the main thing that she's noticing now is that she's she can recover a lot a lot better between sessions and she sleeps a lot better instead of four, getting four hour four or five hours sleep a night she's getting um you know eight hours sleep a night and I think it's making all the difference. So I'm not that good at predicting um, where she's going to end up, but I kind of focus more on doing the best doing the best that we can now and doing everything right and uh, and then and then the results will um, will and 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 then we'll, and then we'll see any results. But I think she's. Um, I think she's got every chance to qualify as a pro um, in, in Kona this year, which would be a fantastic, um, fantastic achievement for the first year of racing. It's amazing what she's achieved living on so little sleep, isn't it? And doing, you know, 60, 70 hours of work, of work a week alongside the kind of training that she needs to do to be that fit and that competitive. I'm, I'm really excited to see how she does when she's getting, you know, it's going to be more the rest and recovery that she can now get rather than the extra training I'd imagine, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's one thing I'm not. I'm trying not to change. I'm, you know, just because just she's racing full time, I, I, I don't want to kind of, kind of get lost with our, with our training philosophy. You know, I, I still want to keep keep. I still want to keep keep a lot of good quality training in, and not, um, not just kind of flood her with more miles. And that, now she's got more time on her hands. Um, so I'm trying to hold, trying to hold her back in that respect. But yeah, it's just recovery in between training and the stress, and uh, you know, managing. Yeah, managing a bit more of an easier lifestyle. And I think that's going to make a massive difference to her. Awesome stuff. And listen, tell us about tell us about your race team coming forward. Because obviously now that now that you're sort of traveling the world pro triathlon careers coming to a close, and obviously you're still going to be doing some racing in the UK, but it sounds like you're much more focused on your your coaching and your team. So tell us a little bit about that, Will. Yeah, so since um to be honest, since since Ruth won Hawaii, I had had a had a, had, a, had, a, had a nice influx on um, on keen age groupers to um, you know to to come and uh, to come and 
have me as a, have me as their coach. And I just wanted to. Um, I was kind of always keen to um, to start up to start up my start, start up my start up my own squad. Um, called um, I called it Riot Racing Club. Um, I can go into that later, but it's a uh, um, we had a we had a team called um, team called the Riot from um, that Craig Twig and I started from um, yeah from four or five years ago around here, and I just really like the name. So it's called Riot Racing Club. Um, I've got a few interested brands who are working with us. So um, on on running a, a sporting us and iCore Labs, which is a CBD uh, product um, from Colorado, are supporting us and um, Orca. So we um, we we've got some kits made, we've got some discounts and some some free products, and um, yeah, I want to kind of get a team together um, to um, you know people people can join us and um, come and race for us, and we're going to be at events you know with our with our with our branded tent, and yeah, just uh, an online community as well. So we got a close a closed Facebook page where we kind of kind of catch up and um, share stories and um, and share tips and advice. So yeah, it's really it's really a community that I'm trying to um, trying to bring together. Um, yeah, trying to get trying to get lots of people racing in um, racing in our kit and um, see a lot of riders at races. Um, yeah, my wife is managing it. She's she's managing that side of the business now, and she's really she's really doing a great job. So even though it's a it was a slow start, um, I was keen to kind of get it launched in December. Um, it's going to be launching soon. We're we're just finishing up our website and. Uh, but you can follow us on social media on on all the socials. My wife has that has that up and running now, and it's called um called Riot Racing Club. If you're interested in checking it out, awesome stuff, man. Hey, well, listen, it's been it's been great to catch up with you, Will. Is there anything else from your end that you want to fill us in on before we wrap this up? No, I think I've covered it all. But yeah, um, yeah, hopefully see people at races and see people around. Um, I'm, I might be done with. Uh, Done with um, gallivanting around the world, like I said, racing, uh, racing all these, racing all these crazy, all these crazy races. But I'll still be around the sport, still love the sport, and uh, yeah, hope to see people out there. Good stuff, man. Well, listen, you you've been one of the country's most successful ever triathletes with the number of titles that you've won, and all the way through the pro ranks. Um, it's been great following your journey along the years, and I'm sure we're going to catch up at events over uh, over the coming year. We'll see what some of the uh, some of the outlaw events. Hey, we'll have to have Riot Racing race off against Team Oxygen Addict, mate. We'll have to have a little uh, a little gentleman's wager for a coffee on the side. How about that? <laughs> that sounds yeah, that sounds perfect. We're the um, we're also uh, we're also just registered for the for the for the Ironman um, Ironman uh, clubs as well. So if you if you're part of that, then we can then we can race for race for that race for that title. Yeah, as well. yeah, good man. That should be fun. That'll be a good laugh. <laughs> perfect. All right. Well, listen, cool. thank you very much for your time, mate. We wish you all the best going forwards into the future. Um, where can people follow you on social media and all of that? Uh, yeah, we're, um, if you, if you want to, if you want to follow right racing club, uh, I think we're right racing club across all social medias. And, um, I think I'm, I'm Will Clark try on Instagram and at the Clark on Twitter. Uh, yeah. But I think if you, if you just search for it, you'll, you'll find it great stuff. All right. Well, listen, man, thank you very much for your time and, uh, all the best for the coming year. Thanks a lot, Rob. Cheers for chat. Cracking interview with Will there. Uh, really great to hear that he's leaving leaving professional racing with no regrets and is excited about his move forward into coaching. And great to hear about the success already of one of his young coaches, Ruth Purbrook, who I'm sure you all know already after her amazing results out in Kona. So best of luck to you, Will. It's been great following you over the years, and I'm sure there are many, many great things in your future in the world of coaching as well. Excellent stuff. All right, shout out to sponsors precisionhydration.com. Remember, if you've not tried them yet, you can use the code OxygenAddict15 for 15% off. They've got a fantastic blog over on the moment on how to measure your sweat rate. So I thought it'd be worth talking you through this. If you guys are training indoors on the bike or you're training indoors on the treadmill or it's hot where you are, it's great to get a measure of how much you're actually sweating. So they've got a great blog here about how to accurately do this. And essentially all you need is an accurate set of weighing scales, a dry towel, and a set of small scales to weigh your water bottles. What you're going to essentially do, you can you can read their blog for the full details, but here, we're going to get you to weigh yourself before you work out. We're going to get yourself to weigh yourself after you work out, after you've towelled yourself off, and we're going to weigh what you've actually drunk during that workout. And that gives you a really good lead as to how much you're actually sweating. There's a range really, anywhere between 500 millilitres an hour through to about one and a half 
liters and so 500 milliliters an hour through to one and a half liters an hour of sweat. Um, some people are higher than that. Some people are lower than that. But if you are at the higher end, it's really great to know what's going on. It's obviously very hard to replace as much water as that during a workout itself. So it's great to get and measure on how much you're sweating so you can start to replace some of that as you're working out and you can replace some of that after the workout as well. But again, really great blog. Get over to Precision Hydration and check it out. I'll put a link to this in the show notes so you can read all about that for yourself there. Coach's Couch this week is going to tie in with this because what we're going to be talking about in Coach's Couch is the most effective way to improve your cycling for any distance of triathlon during the winter time. And obviously the big challenges of training on the bike during the winter are firstly, you've got short daylight hours and most people who are working full time are going to find it very difficult to get outdoors and train. The other challenge is it's very hard to go out and do traditional base training if you're either doing it in the dark or you're spending lots of hours trying to do base training indoors on the turbo because it's just not very interesting. So the most effective way you can improve your cycling during the winter is by trying to improve your functional threshold power. Now, it isn't complicated to do this, but it isn't easy. So simple workouts, but challenging physically hard workouts. What we're going to get you to do is we're going to get to work at 100% of your functional threshold power. Or if you're not sure what that is, that's the same kind of power or the same kind of intensity that you would ride a one hour time trial at. It's really hard to measure this indoors on your own in winter. So a great way to do it is to do a 20 minute flat out test and then take about 5% of that power off that you record in the 20 minute test. That's going to give you your functional threshold power if you're riding with a power meter. If you're riding with a heart rate monitor, the average heart rate for the 20 minute time trial that you do is going to be there or thereabouts, especially if you knock a couple of beats off, there or thereabouts your functional threshold heart rate. Okay, so then what you can do is try and do a workout on the indoor trainer, on the watt bike, on the gym bike, where you're doing intervals of about five minutes long with about one minute's recovery in between. So five minutes at 100% of FTP and then a minute's recovery. You can vary those numbers as long as you keep the ratio about the same. Okay, so say you do a 10 minute interval, you get a two minute recovery. And by doing about 30 to 40 minutes of hard work within a one hour main set, you are going to be doing that twice a week. That's going to give you about the maximum training that most age groupers can absorb in a standard working week in order to grow your engine. If you grow your engine, you are faster, more powerful, Uh, And that translates to effectively all other things being equal for you traveling faster outdoors when you go back to outdoor training for the same power output. Okay, so if you are a Zwift user, here's something for you. We're going to be leading a Zwift ride on Wednesday, the 29th of January. And you're going to get a chance to trial one of these FTP workouts that we give to our team athletes. So look for the details. It's going to be in conjunction with try247.com. All the details on how to sign up and stuff will be on try247.com. So again, the the ride is going to be on Wednesday, the 29th of January, 7 p.m. UK time. You can be riding with other Team Oxygen Addict athletes. I'll be leading it. We'll be getting on there and doing one of my uh, classic main sets and get on there and see how you like it, see how it works, see how quickly 30 minutes of a main set goes by and how you can improve your cycling with a couple of focused workouts every week. All right. So all details will be posted on the try247.com site over the coming week. We'll hopefully see loads of you on board there on Wednesday, the 29th of January, 7 p.m. Second thing on the back of Coach's Couch, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who voted for me as Coach of the Year in the 220 Triathlon Awards. Super happy to be able to tell you that I actually won the award. I was voted Coach of the Year in the 220 Triathlon Awards. So really amazingly happy about that. Um, And Team Oxygen Addict also got voted as Club of the Year as well. So I really appreciate anybody who took the time to vote for me and for us in that award. Um, I started out in triathlon reading 220 magazine back in the late 90s. So to me, to win that award is pretty massive. And bless my mum and dad were super excited when they found out and rang me up. And, you know, all my friends, all my teammates, all the guys I coach, everyone's really honoured and thrilled to have won it. So I really appreciate you taking the time to go on there and vote. That's brilliant. Now, remember, with Team Oxygen Addicts, we've currently got until the end of January, we've got an offer on. If you're interested in coming and training with us, we've got an offer where you can get 30 days of coaching for £1. The link for that is in the show notes for here, or you can go to 
tmoxygenetic.com and the uh, the links up there as well. But click the link in the show notes. We're basically going to onboard you and give you your first month of training just for that pound and give you a like you're a full member of the team at this point. It's not just a random cut and paste plan. It's going to be the plan that's appropriate to you, your background and your goal races and events. So there is a lot of a lot of uh, onboarding involved in this for me, but that's okay. I really believe if you're looking for coaching and you get on board and you really throw yourself into this 100%, you're really going to make massive gains in a month and you'll want to stay with us, which is why we're doing, you know, basically come in for a quid and give it a go. So it's really great if you can get yourself on and get it done as quickly as you can, then we can get you on boarded. We've had about 50 people join up and have a go at this in the last two weeks. So it'd be great if we can, probably going to cap it in about another 20 people, I think, because there's going to be more than enough people coming on board for, for a taste of it at that point. So click the link in the show notes, give it a go. We're going to give you a massive jump in your FTP over the winter and you're going to be much faster come the summer. And I think when you see the training plans that you get, the support you get from your teammates, the support you get from the coaching staff in our Facebook group and the video calls, I think you're going to want to stick around. So come and give it a go. And a couple of testimonials from people who have signed up over the last week or so. Sarah King has said, this is a really great start to my training with TOA. The support and information is fantastic. Patrick Timmer said, I'm enjoying it a lot and don't feel completely beat the whole day like many of the days before when I was training on my own. And Katie Boa said, it's been a great week. I'm really enjoying it so far. Thank you. So thanks, Sarah, Patrick and Katie. It's great to have you in the group and really glad that you're enjoying the training so far. Okay, so remember, click the link in the show notes, everyone, if you want to come over and give training with Team Oxygenetics a go for a one pound trial for your first 30 days. All right, guys, well, that wraps up today's show. So listen, thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. Use the code OxygenAddict15 for 15% off your first order. We are tribe.co. Use the code OxygenAddict20 at checkout to get six bars or products for £2. Thriver.co. You can use the code OxygenAddict50 for 50% off your first finger prick blood test. And if you're looking for triathlon coaching, you can get 30 days for a pound from teamoxygenaddict.com. Remember, there's links in the show notes for all of those sponsors so you don't have to remember them. And until next week, have a great, safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. Thanks, everyone. See ya.